Okay, yesterday uh, we discussed, we started discussing the Inyan of Prishut uh, as being the first part of the Midah, the overall Midah of Chasidut. And Prishut is dealing with the negative elements that we have to deal with. But here we had already pointed out that we're not talking about um, Isurim or, or Isurim Drabanan or Doraita. We're talking about things that a person will will limit themselves from doing because... Doing them is bad for them, uh, and what is bad for them might be okay for someone else, and therefore it's extremely, extremely subjective. Uh, carrying on in Perek Yud Gimel, again, my assumption as always is that you're reading the Perek, is the Ramchal says that you're going to need to do Tachbulot Rabot, uh, in order to sometimes get rid of a bad habit, get rid of something that is uh, um, not essentially good for you, you're going to have to make plans to do it. There's going to have to be a a, uh, a a strategy with which to get over the problem. Uh, I remember when I was a lot younger and uh, totally, totally uh, uh, addicted to television, the way I got myself off television was by reading novels. Uh, of course, reading novels wasn't such a great uh, zakh, and I had to eventually wean myself off novels um, uh, because I was up till three o'clock in the morning reading stories uh, but but I really got off that, and now I, I read a bit of history before I go to sleep, and normally fall asleep uh, in the middle of the Second World War or just before. Uh, but but there has to be a tachbula. Uh, in the same way that we've spoken about already, someone who has an eating uh, problem has to uh, has to have a diet. They have to go see a dietitian and and make a, an eating plan or whatever, or an exercise plan, and so on and so forth. Uh, things don't get better automatically. And therefore, if one has to refrain from doing something, even though Lifi HaShulchan Aruch is okay to do, you need to do a Tachbula. And um, this, is, this is extremely, extremely important. And obviously, based on the fact that you are dedicated to deal with the problem. Because if you're not dedicated to deal with the problem, uh, you're not going to stick to any plan that you make. Uh, we are not talking about, he says this towards the end of the chapter, we're not talking about the kind of uh, pre-shoot that was uh, um, customary in certain sects of uh, Christianity, such as convents and monks. Uh, this isn't an idea in Judaism that a person should separate himself from the world. If we go back to the original example I gave yesterday, the example of Nezirut, then, then again, Nezirut, even though Nezirut itself is a machloket, but Nezirut, uh, in its most... Uh, partial to understanding the zirut is for 30 days it's for no longer than 30 days it's not more than that which really means that if you're looking at the zirut you're looking at a, a timeout that a person is in a certain predicament and they need to take a timeout a timeout from the world a timeout from regular life they need to separate themselves from certain things uh, to study and understand why exactly those were the things that were chosen Drinking wine, I suppose, is easier, but, but growing your hair and certainly not going to the cemetery are, are issues that one would have to learn as to why these were seen as classic ways with which a person would take a time out. But again, it, it's a time out. It's, it's not an ideal. Uh, Pre-shoot isn't ideal. Now here I have to point out something to you. When you look at the, um, the ultra-Orthodox world today, uh, you you would be forgiven to assume that it very much represents the kind of pre-shoot 
that uh, that Ramchal is talking about in that in that you have a, an entire community that has essentially cut itself off, being Poresh from the rest of the world. Uh, now this, I think, even they would agree. I hope they would agree. This is not an ideal. This is what they would seem to be a necessity when you're surrounded by a lot of pretzut, when you're surrounded by things that aren't sanoa, when people outside of your community are hardly wearing clothes, are listening to rude music, are watching uh, not necessarily uh, uh, halachically deemed films. Uh, how is one meant to live a, a religious life? Uh, in the, in that environment now, some people would say, "I suppose you have to live there and manage," but I think it's very hard to do that. Uh, and so communities have decided that they they will create their own communities within the community, which is a sense of pre-shoot. I look at it as as uh, as preservation. That's the word I'm looking for. I look at it as preservation. They are trying to preserve it, but, but this preservation should not be mistaken to be an ideal. It's not an ideal. It's not an ideal. God created a world to suggest that the entire world is a test that we have to overcome or avoid. Uh, to me, just it, it doesn't work. Um, God created a world that we should enjoy and we should live in, and, uh, but live in and, and make it holy. That's the climax of this book. There could be times in the in this world where we have to be porish, uh, and it could be legitimate to be porish, right? I, I, I think I think one has to be very very careful to be closed in within, you know, just open to everything and have everything uh, exposed to you and your children. But one must always remember that even if one has chosen to be porish, it it is a means and not an end. The end is not to be porish from the world. God didn't put you in this world to make you porish from this world. Um, the truth of the matter is, is I mean, it used to be like this, but I don't think it, it's really like this anymore. It, is that the year in in yeshiva, the year in yeshiva and sem, uh, for me, it, it was very much a year of prishut. Uh, again, if I go back to the early 80s, which was when I was in yeshiva uh, initially, uh, we left home and came to Israel, and I came to Gush Etzion. And uh, when you came to Gush Etzion in those days, there was no tunnels. It wasn't a 20-minute ride to Jerusalem. It's actually not a 20-minute ride anymore either because of the traffic, unless you drive at 2 o'clock in the morning. But it, it wasn't a 20-minute ride to Jerusalem if there was no traffic. You had to drive through Bet uh, Lechem, you had to drive through Dahisha, a Palestinian refugee camp, and uh, it wasn't always so nice there. And, and it was a, a long and winding road, as the Beatles would put it, to get from Yushalayim to the Gush. And, and you didn't just do it, you did it for a good reason. Unless you had a good reason to go to Jerusalem, you stayed in the Gush. And I didn't really have any good reasons to go to Jerusalem except to visit the Kotel, which I did periodically. Otherwise, I just stayed in the Gush, and I didn't have an iPhone. Because actually no one had an iPhone because they had not been created yet. There was no such thing as a mobile phone. Uh, our contact with the outside world, our contact with my parents was uh, uh, a payphone. There were two or three payphones in the yeshiva. There were four to five hundred boys in the yeshiva. And the payphone was very, very popular. And once a week I would try and uh, connect with my parents through that payphone. It was frustrating because it was a long line and sometimes you missed your line or as you get to your, your turn, someone actually phoned in and you had to find someone who they were looking for. By the time you came back, you'd lost your place. So it, it, it could have been an hour to two hour, um, 
Tochnit, just to call your parents. So the only real way of communication was writing letters. And again, not typing letters, writing letters with a pen and paper, posting them, mailing them, and then getting them back. So it's uh, once every three weeks, you've got a kind of detailed, a very excited day. We got a letter from your parents. You sat down, you read it. Benach, um, but what did it mean? It meant that my reality in Israel was pre-shoot, 100% pre-shoot. I, I had little to no idea what was going on in the world. There was no internet in those days. We didn't have a regular newspaper. The closest there was to a newspaper was the Jerusalem Post, which every so often I bought in Jerusalem, uh, even though I was unaware there was a Makula in the Yeshuv, but, but I could have bought it here, I suppose. And, uh, and so I was totally cut off from the world. And what did that pre-shoot give me? What did it give me? It, it gave me something spectacular. I had, I had spent, I came to this when I was 17. I had spent 17 years of my life living in a certain way. I had come to some conclusions two or three years before and I was going in a different direction. But I knew nothing else. Everything I knew was either hearsay or a pula from Benakiva at some stage that I may have listened to. I knew no other way of life. The only way of life I knew was uh, Edgware Town, just outside of London, and, uh, and the culture, the English culture, which I very much enjoyed and still enjoy. That's all I knew. I knew nothing else. Uh, it was hearsay, and, and they do this and they do that, and there were books and so on and so forth. And suddenly I was in a different country. I was totally disconnected from my English experience, from my English parents, from my English family, from my English neighbourhood, and from my English culture. And this was a pre-shoot which was so interesting and so character-building because as I pulled away, when I pulled away from my uh, norm, from my regular way of life, I discovered that there were other options. I was able, perhaps, when I moved out of the picture, to look at the picture from the outside. Pre-shoot enables you to do this. Again, for a limited period of time, no one suggested here that uh, when David Amenah says, Shifti Bebeit Hashem Kol does he mean that he wants to sit in a Beit Midrash? Maybe, maybe he does. Or maybe he wants to say that I want to live within this concept of Beit Hashem in everything that I do in my life. Beshifti Chavitech Avaleta Chavaderch. Kach or Kach, the Prishut doesn't only serve as a way of helping me work on a certain weakness that I have. It takes me away from the society I'm living in and it enables me to look at it from the outside and get a perspective. Then I can go back in and I can, I can, I can correct what's wrong and I can carry on what's right. But, but if you only live in the same place all the time, and the same place isn't just a location, the same place is a group of people, the same place is a certain environment, if you only live in that environment all the time, you have no idea at all about anything else. Uh, and it's a worrying factor, you know, because we often judge people from our perspective looking out in. And uh, I spoke about this right at the beginning of our show, when we started showing my, my Black Sabbath story. And, and you don't understand that there's a different perspective. Uh, a human being can't check out every single perspective, but it is important to be porish, to separate yourself off and to look in from out uh, and, and then come back in again. And, but you have to come back in again, right? You have to remember that Prishut is chapter 13 in the book. It's not chapter 26. Chapter 26 in the book is Kedusha. And Kedusha is about coming into the world and making everything Kadosh. But there is a stage uh, in the middle... Mamash bang in the middle, where the advice is, Lifrosh, let's, let's take a step back, let's have a look. You know, I can give you so many examples about this. I remember once, it was quite a time ago, there was uh, elections in Israel, as is our custom, and, um, 
and uh, there was a meeting here in the bush uh, about let's go down to Tel Aviv and explain to them the situation and, uh, and then everything will be okay. And I remember being absolutely horrified because uh, I was horrified. I, I said to people in the meeting, I said, well, do you actually believe what you're saying? You, you think that the people in Tel Aviv are just ignorant. And therefore, the minute you explain to them your perspective, they're simply going to get up, shake your hand and vote Likud. Is that what you perceive to be the reality? And do from people think that that's what's going to happen with irreligious people? If only irreligious people had been in yeshiva, they would be religious people. Or maybe they just disagree with you. Maybe they just have a different perspective. It doesn't mean that what you're saying is wrong. It doesn't mean you shouldn't believe in what you're saying. But, but it, it means that we have to be a, a little less arrogant in, in who we are and what we are. And so the pre-short, before we move on to the next chapter, pre-short, uh, which is um, chapter four, sorry, wrong page, which is chapter 14, which is still Chalkea pre-short, we have spoken about two purposes of pre-short. Uh, number one, to deal with specific issues that are mine and mine alone, that I'm going to create a kind of temporary issue for myself. Uh, and number two, the overall value of lifrosh, the altifrosh without sibul, right? But but a, a little prisha every so often to take a step back, have a look at it from a different perspective, is uh, is is refreshing and challenging. You know, last Shabbat, uh, my my son Yitzhak lives in Tel Aviv, and uh, last Shabbat he, he's about to move out to Tel Aviv. He's going to go study in Be'er Sheva, Be'ezrat Hashem, and uh, we said my wife was very keen. That we're both keen that we go and. Uh, and, and be with him in his apartment in Tel Aviv. Uh, his apartment in Tel Aviv, for those of you who know Tel Aviv, and you probably know Tel Aviv much better than I know Tel Aviv, his apartment in Tel Aviv is about three minutes away from Dizengoff Square. Uh, he's on the corner of Kaplan and Dubnov. He is, to all intents and purposes, as far as Israel is concerned, in the middle of everything. And uh, we went to spend a Shabbos there. And my, there's not enough room in his little apartment for all of us. So the kids all uh, slept down on the floor in his apartment. And, uh, and me and my wife, we stayed at some kind of uh, bed and breakfast place, which was a 20-minute walk. However, uh, and I, you know, I couldn't be bothered with all the details. So I said to my wife, just do whatever you do. She explained to me. She explained to me. But I never really listened. I said, OK, OK, OK. And then I discovered it was a 20-minute walk from his apartment to where we were staying. There and back, there and back, there and back. Okay, Beseda. It was also one of the hottest days of the year in Tel Aviv, which was also very, very interesting. But when we finished eating on Friday night um, at about 11 o'clock or whatever, we had to make our way from his apartment through Dizengorf to get where we were sleeping, which is by Frischmann, just off Frischmann, near the sea. And um, we had to walk through... I don't know, it was very challenging for, a, for a, a person who has been very sheltered for the second half of his life so far. And first half of my life, I wasn't sheltered at all. Uh, it was a very, very challenging experience because uh, I can tell you without exaggeration, I must have seen, we found a few shoes, of course, but I must have seen in the streets on that evening no more than three people with kippot. And we, we passed thousands of people. And it was a terrible shock to my sister. Uh, you're not talking to you're talk, not talking to someone who grew up in Mersharim or grew up in Gaula. You're talking to someone who grew up in Edgware and uh, was surrounded by Goyim, not the Edgware that is now, but uh, an Edgware which was very middle of the road and uh, mostly traditional people, if at all, um, not the kind of the modern Orthodox Haradal place that it is now, Hasidic place that it is now, 
And uh, so it's not like I've never seen Goyim before, but these were Jews, and uh, there, there wasn't um, a remes, there wasn't a hint of Shabbos. There wasn't a hint of Shabbos. This affected us both so much that uh, the next day when walking back, I, I dumped in a shawl next to where we were staying, and the kids dumped in a shawl next to where my son lives, and, and walking back, my wife said, let's just go a different way. We just don't want to go this way. It's just, oh my God. Now this is, on, on the first, it's a shock to the system. On, on the second, from the second perspective, it's a type of pre-shot. You've left your comfortable little tortoiseshell, uh, which you live in, uh, Really, my, my life is like idyllic from that perspective. You know, every day I leave this yeshua of 400 rubanim and, uh, and minyanim left, right and center of Alon Shvot and I make my way to the big world, which is the old city of Yerushalayim, which is really an open-air yeshiva. And, uh, and then I come back. Uh, that's essentially what I do. Every so often I do a chiloni wedding, but I go, I do the wedding, I leave. It's it, not, not much of a, not, not much of a, a grace as that. So I, I've, I've chosen that way. I had enough of, of what I saw, but this pre-shoot for a weekend, which was to leave, leave my comfort zone, uh, we would call it today a comfort zone, and to go somewhere else is, is an eye-opener and is extremely healthy. It gives you perspective. It also gives you appreciation of where you're coming from. It works in every direction. The fact that you're poorish from somewhere. Okay, this is a different aspect to appreciate what we were talking about yesterday and earlier today. But when you're poorish from somewhere, it's, it's not just in order, that it, not to push from a bad place to a good place, but sometimes, like we did last Shabbos, and that wasn't the reason we did it, right? But we did last Shabbos was, uh, was, <laughs> was to push from a good place and, and to see something that is way out of my comfort zone to give me some kind of perspective. We were able to keep Shabbos. We had a nice Shabbos, really lovely Shabbos, but perspective. Um, and... Uh, it's something, something to think about. We have to carry on from here with Prishut. Tomorrow, Perik, or tomorrow, Sunday, Bezrat Hashem, Perik Yudalad, should be Shabbat Shalom and a Chodesh Tov. And don't forget to scream out the words Elul. Elul. If it's Elul, it means Rosh Hashanah is around the corner. So let's start getting up and being awake. Shabbat Shalom, Chodesh Tov.